<laughs> Wojciech, first up. Wojciech Kichila. Hello, fish. Karen Clark, hello. I'll run out of this case before we can say a good show. Karen Clark, hello. Stacey Ann, Kayleigh Grove from Vermont, hello. Neil Goddard, hello. Anthony Jackson, good evening. Tuso De Martini, hi. Wojciech, first up. Oh, bloody volume. Wojciech. Robert Monroe, hi, Nick Drake, Nineshi Ice. Ah, go away, go away. Don't go away. Alan Coppelson. Victoria Aka, Tonica L. Harrison. Laura Bittman Warren, hello, friend. Gary Stafford, hello. Bern Hoodner, Hunter. Sean Mitchell again for the pool. Nick Waters, Graham Halfley, Tony Harvath, Amanda Gert. Ah, Andrew Robert Hill, Andre Makaevich, that's a great Makaevich, Makaevich, greetings from Krakow. Yes, good evening, and welcome to Fish and Friday, episode I can't even remember what number it is now, it's been so long. But as always, it's an Erdinger moment. <laughs> oh, weird weather outside. It was, uh, I don't trust the forecasters anymore. It's, um, we were supposed to, have, it's supposed to be absolutely bucketing down at about four o'clock or something, and it didn't happen. And it happened at another time. And we've had this ridiculous sunshine. By the way, that's a light above my head. It's causing the shine, not sunshine from the Velux windows. But it is sunny outside, it's quite cool. Take a walk. It's good. But you get these kind of like really hefty dark clouds coming across. And I'm loving, by the way, my Himalayan round tree. It was, um, I planted this tree uh, when I kind of first moved into the studio way back in about 2001. So when I started living in it, it was a tree that was kind of growing wild on the other side of the house. And I went and planted it on the boundary and it's become a really amazing tree. And I found out later, it was really difficult to kind of grow these things. And there it is. The one with all the red berries, it's red berries, it's beautiful. I love it. And this is how weird it is out there at the moment. Lammermuir's all rainy. Bright sunshine. And everything buzzing. The flagpole, you may notice, has gone missing. We had a really, really windy day. Um, about a week ago, so go. And the flagpole came down, narrowly missing the Corsa. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, we had those white plastic kind of things on it, fittings on it. And they're like those deck chairs you get in, in the sun. You know, that you, you always sit them when you're really pissed up and end up falling away at a complete arse yourself on a patio somewhere. But um, that's a multi-headed sunflower in the middle next to the wee font. And it's brilliant. I can see, my mum can see it from the room. So it's, uh, it's got about five buds. But the sunflowers just, they make you smile the way they just nod away in the garden there, smiling at you in their manic sense. Kale and all stuff, get rid of all sorts of bits and pieces. But it's feeling like autumn, it is feeling like autumn, and I am destined to be eating green tomato chutney for the rest of my life, I think. It's a um, horrible year for that, so... But yeah, but one of the things it did, for all you gardening folks out there, 
It's, um, the thing with the climate change stuff is that I remember the last couple of tours that I've been out in on, or I've been out on, in kind of September, October time, it was really warm. And I was wearing a T-shirt all the time. I did an entire tour of Europe. I never wore anything else apart from a T-shirt. And I figured, right? Well, wait a minute, if that's the case, and all these little seed packets always say, you know, this is where they germinate. This is, you get little bars, green bars and purple bars for like, this is when you sow, this is when you harvest and stuff. And carrots, you're not supposed to, um, you, you, the last kind of sowing time is supposed to be around about July. And, uh, and I thought, well, we just lifted a bunch of carrots, some really nice ones outside. And, uh, and Simona was, um, we got them all frozen. Simona was freezing them all last week. Masses of cutting and got, got them just before the worms did, the, the kind of the carrot fly maggots. So uh, we were right on the edge of it, so it was good. But I decided to sow seed. And I've sown some carrot seeds, some Nantes 5, Autumn Kings, and the last remaining banger carrots that I had. But the Autumn Kings are supposed to be good. So I'm interested to see, like, you know, because like I said, all the packets always say this is when you should do it. It's when you should do it. But they don't take account for, that's kind of the way the old almanacs worked. And so I thought, I'm going to have a crack and see if I can grow carrots right the way through September, October. So I'll be harvesting them in kind of November, December. So that's, that's part of my... It's part of my prepper shit. <laughs> Being of that ilk that likes to be prepared in all kind of situations. Right? I'm, a, I'm a prepper, I really am. My mum and dad, I've, I've talked about this before, but you know, they, they had a war cupboard. And uh, it was kind of, I was brought up with it. It was like there was a, we had a cupboard under the stairs and my, my dad, they used to go down to Costco's. To, I think it was Costco's, one of the big kind of... Um, one of the big cash and carry stores because my dad had the Dick Brothers garage, so he, he had bona fide business. I mean, now everybody's got these cards. And, um, but you used to go out and buy slabs of baked beans and rice and stuff like tinned rice, and oh, it was bad, it was evil. And the thing was, it was right by my bedroom. So every time we got we, my, me and my mates got the munchies, we'd end up going and like going, oh, we'll have a couple of tins of rice, a couple of tins of beans. And that's why I became a weighty figure in my teens, I think, I believe. And, um, but anyway, the war cover thing always stuck with me, and I've always had it. My daughter Tara always takes the piss out of me, you know, about the war cupboard. And of course, this year I was kind of sitting there with one more tin of peeled plum panat tomatoes than most other people had, right? But um, I learned from it, and I've been kind of, I've been building up stock on the on the premise of this oncoming second wave, right? And going by. All these wee outbreaks here in Leeds is about is on on the watch list and the big break on Glasgow and things. I thought, well, you know, I better be safe than sorry. So I've started buying stuff and um, and I got I got some lamp fuel because I'm on I'm off the opinion that one of the things that people are going to forget about is that if we have if the second wave of the virus materializes and we go in another kind of lockdown situation or a number of lockdown situations all across the UK, right? Then it's going to be dark and it's winter and people can't go out into the garden and it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty horrible one, this one, if it happens. And I figure that, you know, everybody's going to be in the, in the, the houses, like, you know, computers on, lights on, heating on, kettles on, TVs on. And I think there's going to be a lot of power things. So on, 
thinking ahead, like I do, I thought, well, if it's going to be power cuts, I better get some lamp oil in, because I've got a couple of really nice lamps that, like, you know, I always like to get out in a power cut. It makes the place seem really romantic, and it's very old-fashioned. I actually love it. And then the wood-burning stove, extra fuel coming in, and, uh, but I mean, you know, stocking away bits and pieces of stuff, and, um, in preparation, as you do. So, uh, but that was some of this week's stuff. It was um, ordering on Amazon. Uh, and I got a little trolley. I bought a little little trolley like uh, like that one. Uh, I suppose it was it Linus. The, I await your verdict. The one that used to, the wee guy in peanuts that used to pull the trolley all the time. And um, so I've got a little trolley so that when we uh, when the the remasters come, well not the remasters when the new album Velchvels comes, it's uh, we'll have the ability to pull loads around from the garage from the storage units around here and get them back and move them out and stuff. So was kind of setting up for that and uh it was kind of made a bit more exciting this week because i got this this is the deluxe and it's the the first one we got the setting this up as a test and i like it a lot it's it's good so there's your this is the deluxe version right so you get this the big book bit right out comes this big book and we've got these special trays put on the inside of the, the covers so that the, the CDs and stuff are held in a safe way and really easy to get out and it looks cool, right? So you don't have the rippy papery stuff. And then it's all mirrored so you won't get it but there is the book with lots and lots of Mark Wilkinson illustrations and stuff. That's the one he's done for Rose of Damascus. So I was really pleased to get this. And the rest will all be arriving in the next couple of weeks. And on from the 25th, the weekend of the 25th of September onwards, we are going to be Blue Arse Fly Promotions Limited. And that uh, we're going to be all decks, all hands on all decks dealing with the mail out. But it won't happen till the 25th, so do not write in and go, I've, we've actually got people going, you know, I've not received my order yet. It's because it's not out until the 25th of September. Okay. Pete John, Pembroke, hello. Un gigante gintanesco, whatever. Ah. <laughs> Christian Scheider, hello from Bavaria again. Simon Reeves, Four Candles. Ian Anderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, TV and stuff. Oh, right. I've got to talk about TV and royalties. Last week, as I told you, I got my, my royalty statement through from my uh, theatrical agent, right? And I got the grand old sum of uh, £1.52 from them, right? And during the announcement on this beautiful said Fish and Friday banter thing, Right. I mentioned the fact that David Barris and Scott McKay for the Electric Man movie had still not received a royalty. So I was very pleased today. Right? I was ecstatic, over the moon in fact. In fact, I was so delir deliriously pleased I had to get in touch and say thank you. And this is from Strange Boat. Strange Boat is, you can't see it, it's mirrored. <laughs> Real Electric Man royalties. 
It has been brought to our attention that on Fish and Friday, a lack of royalties was mentioned. Since there are no royalties, Mr Mackay and I, in a gesture of magnanimity, uh, hereby enclose a cheque for £1.53, more than your earnings from young person's guide to being a rock star. That's from Dave Barris and Scott Mackay. Dave, Matt, and this, I've got this cheque for £1.53, one pence more than the entire year royalties that I earned on Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rockstar, and I got this from Electric Man. Who says that acting doesn't pay £1.53? And I actually found out, by the way, this Erdinger that I'm drinking tonight from Tesco's is actually about £1.53, right? So, I'm able to buy this year two pints or two bottles of Erdinger alcohol fry with isotonic because it's a healthy beer, right? Two bottles of Erdinger from my royalties earned from my acting career. That in itself is no doubt a celebration. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> But thanks, Dave. Thanks, Scott. Daffy Dill, you've done fine. So, and I'm going to frame that cheque. I'm not. Gonna, don't worry. I'm not going to cash it in. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to frame it next to my Electric Man poster. All right. Oh. Leslie Matthews, where did you get the T-shirt? As if a queue at ten past six. This T-shirt was part of the Thirteen Star merchandise line. We got it tie-dyed. I did a couple of tie-dyes. I did one for round about the suits time. And I had this one. And I had one that I bought off a bootlegger in Mexico because it was really, really cool, right? Uh, yeah, I, did, I actually bought a, a, a fish um, tie-dye shirt. And it lasted for ages as well. I was really impressed. But this one, right, was for the 30 Star album. And this star is the aforesaid symbol of the 30 Star album. And um, I saw this on a... On a, a when I went to Egypt with my then girlfriend, Heather Finlay, I took her down to Egypt for one of the worst holidays I was ever on, right? And um, for me, I was very excited by all the history and that was about it. Um, when I was down there and I went into the tombs, right? On the ceilings of the tombs, there were all these stars, all hand-painted. If you ever go to, maybe you've been down there or you've seen drawings or whatever, but. They're tiny, they're like they're about yawn size or whatever, right? And they're all over the ceilings and it's supposed to be, obviously, the stars, heavens, right? And um, I was fascinated by them and the fact that they were all hand-painted. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. I mean, it was just incredible. And um, and I loved the colour and I, I took a lot of photographs back then. And um, when I came back from, from Egypt... I was talking with Mark Wilkinson about the upcoming album and I decided to be 13 Star. It was um, it was the 13th album. It was my 13th album and I had this loose kind of connection where there were 13 women that were really important in my life. As is known and as is embarrassingly on the Wikipedia 13 Star page, it was, um, was kind of, the, the album was, a lot of it was put together before the breakup of the relationship, but after the relationship went kabang and uh, everything went completely arsehole, it was, um, I had to redirect kind of where I was going and redetermine what 13 Star was going to be about. 
So a lot of the lyrics swiveled, you know? They swiveled in, in another direction and there was things I wanted to address and things I didn't want to address. And, um, but it was a great album of catharsis for me and uh, at the time. And like I said, I wanted to call it the 13th star. And it was like, you know, it became, uh, the 13th star was like kind of what I was looking for. It was like, the, if you discount what actually happened on the 13th star album, you know, what it was turned around to, it was rather being the person that I found was the 13th star. It was the person I found wasn't the 13th star. And I was going in search of the 13th star. That was the kind of part of the turnaround that happened. So 13 Star was about the search for kind of, you know, the, the kind of dream lady who I eventually found in 2011 and married in 2017. And the thing was at the time that uh, with some of the lyrics turning around, it became, it gave me some more opportunities. I did a lot of writing for, for this particular album out in the, the greenhouse, which used to be a blue house. It was actually painted blue. And it was the first album that Steve and I had worked on. And um, Steve had, had talked about writing and getting together, and but he was really nervous because he'd never done it before. And I said, well, okay, let's go for it. Let's see where it, where it takes us. And Steve came in at the right time and we started writing you know, quite a while back and we had quite a few ideas. But um, when the whole thing went crazy was basically about two months or so, two to two months before the, the alleged, the, the wedding was going to happen. I had the whole thing booked. I levelled what is now the orchard, which is one of the good things that came out of it all. And so I levelled this piece of ground at the bottom because it was requested that I put, uh, we were going to get married in the garden and blah, blah, blah. So there was a marquee put up, the cake was organised, the church was booked, the cars were booked, everything was done. And it was like, everything was in place and... Um, uh, Miss Finley decided she didn't want to get married and went away and um, it caused a great deal of confusion and heartache and anger and lots of other emotions and through that was born 13 Star and with Steve getting on board and him being his first kind of piece of writing together he found himself in a situation where you know this explosion had happened here in the studio, right? And he was very much left to his own in the control room as I kind of like tumbled around with my thoughts in the garden. And the greenhouse, the blue house became important because what would happen was I'd come into the studio and I'd get um, CDs, recordable CDs of Steve and I'd go out to the, the, the blue house. And I'd, I did a lot of the writing out there and I'd, I'd, I'd had to get myself away from here out the house and the, the blue house was kind of my little sanctuary and so i just to write lyrics and come running in here and try them out with steve go try this bit let's put this bit together let's see if this works and that was kind of how 13 star kind of came together it was um but there was there was some really special moments and one of them was zoe and i remember well working were working on on zoe were uh steve the original title uh was going to be micklegate and Micklegate is one of the gates into the, the old city of York. And it was where William Wallace's head, I think it was, was stuck on a gibbet. And York, well, I think I've said previously, is, has got this archaic law where if you're a Scotsman and you're found inside the walls of York, 
or the, in the walls of the city of York after darkness, you can be shot with an arrow and the perpetrator will not be arrested. Which is why I never kick around York after six o'clock at night. Never, right? So, but, it was, but York became an important place. I, I met Bella Finlay. I got involved with the mostly Autumn guys. I met some great people down there. McKinty, um, who uh, was married to was married to Angela Gordon, who was part of the Odin Dragonfly setup. Uh, he became a very good friend and became a production manager. And uh, there's there are a couple of people down there that still remain friends to this day. But I mean, at the time it was kind of traumatic because all, my whole thing revolved around rock, York. And it was like, as I said, Zoe 25 was originally Micklegate. And it had a completely different set of lyrics, none of which exist anymore, by the way. And um, it was, um, the Micklegate was there because that was where I proposed. And, um, and it was kind of, I just thought it'd be really cool to get them in here at the Micklegate on Valentine's Day, which is a story that I told you about on a previous Fishing Friday about the flowers. So, I had the Micklegate, that was the original title. And the whole concept of that lyric changed, like, you know, after things went kaboom. And Zoe 25 was born. And Zoe 25 is an idea that was kind of, it was, it was very much inspired by the, the Terry and Julie um, uh, Waterloo Sunset uh, Ray Davis song, the Kink song. And I liked that idea about, you know, two characters in the same way as I, I kind of employed that with Chelsea Monday. This is your Farquhar, Farquhar Corner moment. Farquhar Corner. It's that, how do you write a song, Simon? Right? So, it was, um, let's make a thing So I wanted to write one of those type of songs. Cinema Show by Genesis was another one that was kind of like a kind of little inspiration behind it, which is all T.S. Eliot, Wasteland stuff and, and, you know, and I wanted to set in London and I wanted to write about two people. I wanted to write about a couple and them both living in kind of, I wouldn't say desolate circumstances, but I want to write about the, the, the bedsit mob in the same way as like kind of, it was like going back to script days, you know, when it was the bedsit. And I took a number of things and, uh, and Steve came up with this beautiful riff and um, it was kind of, okay, here we go. And it was, um, and I decided, as I said, on this Terry and Julie moment, I love that idea of, you know, the couple in the city. It's been done so many times before, but I wanted to take a different angle on it. And I decided that the kind of story behind it, it was about, it was two people that didn't know each other, right? But the male part fantasized and that was born, right? When John Wesley, John Wesley Death the third, right? My beloved Wes, when he came to the studio to work on the Fellini Days album, right? We have some, the UK people that are watching this, right? And listen to this will understand, right? But Wes was amazed at what used to be on page three of our tabloid papers, right? And for those who don't know, right? The UK used to be famous for this highly dubious thing of basically having topless women on, in colour on page three of the papers. So it wasn't on the front page, but you opened it up and then you got a topless woman. And it used to have 
the name of the person, the age of the person, and their interests, right? And it was kind of, you know, hello, I'm Belinda from Middlesbrough, you know, age 20, blah, 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 da, 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 right? And Wes was blown away with this. And he actually came in the studio and Elliot had actually taken a picture of, I think it, I think it was um, Zoe 19, Zoe from London, 19, Zoe 19 from London, right? And, uh, and it was a, a very beautiful lady. And um, Elliot was kind of like fascinated. We were fascinated by this young lady and she was pinned up and it was just one of those things. He was away And it was mainly because Wes went, my God, you guys, you got tits in your papers. And I'm absolutely freaked out. And he was going, ah, tits in the papers. How can you do this? Right. And it was, Zoe 19 was always remembered and every day Zoe was hanging up in the studio. The years passed and I wanted to find, I wanted to find a name, you know, something, some way to tag it. And I went, what was going to happen was I wanted to, to try and find a kind of, a Terry and Julie thing, right? And on the day we were, we were starting to play about with the writing idea of the song, the Sun newspaper was picked up by somebody, right? And opened up, right? And lo and behold, there was Zoe. And it was Zoe from London 25, right? And I went, wow. I went, that's, the, that's it, Zoe from London 25, right? And that was it. And it was the, it was the John Wesley thing to Zoe. And I went, it's a sign, you know, like, you know. And um, so that became the title of the song. And it became about a guy who basically had seen the photograph in the, the papers, right? And kind of fantasized about this girl. And the thing was about, about relationships, how they always, you always say that you should never go into a relationship unless you're, you're, you're full, unless you're, you're complete. You know, you never go into a relationship to use that other person to fill in an empty part of your soul, whatever, right? And you've got to go into a complete person. And he was kind of like trying to fill this hole in himself with this fantasy, right? But the thing was that he, fantas he fantasized about the girl, but it was like every day they passed each other, you know, on, in the, down in the tube, on the underground, on, the, on their way to work. And he didn't recognize her because he had this fantasy, a fantasy about her in his head. And, and she was drifting off into her place. And it's kind of, they were meant to kind of meet up, but they kept on missing each other. And um, so his position was very much kind of microwave, you know, you know, single guy in a bedsit, and hers was kind of the single woman in the bedsit, and her having a little trippy kind of journey through the, the, the escalators and the tube and stuff, and about them never meeting. And it was, um, and like I said, it was taken. It, it kind of came round. I twirled it around the thirteen star thing. So rather than the thirteen star representing something I found, right, it was actually the thirteen star was something that. I was in search of, right? And that was kind of what the Zoe 25 lyric was about, was about the young, the guy being in search of somebody to kind of make him whole and all the rest of it and about how they kept them missing it. And as I said, the original title was the Micklegate. So what I did was I paid homage at the, at the end. I just tipped it at the end. It was like the, the, the kind of, the, the melancholic me or whatever, right? You know, the, the, the little barb thing at the end was, the line about the Micklegate, which a lot of people kind of went, well, where's the Micklegate? The Micklegate is in York. So that's kind of where it's all at. Um, 
At this point, I'm supposed to play it and find a remote. But, um... What time is it? Half past. Oh! Well, I tell it after before. So what happened was that when we, we, we wrote, recorded Zoe 25, loved it. Everybody said it's a single, you know, here we go again, right? And I got a little, um, Mark Wilkinson did a, 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 a piece of cover art for it, which you can find out there somewhere in, in Tintinet world, right? And it's, um, it was a blindfolded girl in, in the tube with a shadowy figure, right? Because it was there was a quiet it was a, a stalkery thing in there, you know. It was like the fact that he was fantasizing, he was having a sexual fantasy about about this this girl. So there was a kind of there was a bit of a I wouldn't say twisted, but there's a, there was a there was a bit of a curve in there itself. Curve, which was the word I always used at the time. Like, well, the curve of this and the curve of that, going on the curve. So there was a little bit of a, a stalkery thing going on in there, right? Um, but like I said, not in a nasty way. It was more like in a, a, a fantasy thing, right? So, <laughs> I decided to contact, get try and get in contact with Zoe because we thought if we're going to put a video together, it could be really cool. And it was so we wanted to get a blessing. I think we were going to we were going to do some press stories, and I think it was kind of. Well, if we do some press stories, then we'll get into various tabloids, obviously, and like anything we could do to get a single off and running was going to be done. So we actually traced her down to a, a, a management company, which was kind of, you know, it's a bit, you know, you get in touch with a, 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 an ex-Page 3 model because Zoe had become a really well-known photographer. And I apologise, but I've completely forgotten her name and I'm sure that is going to come up down there, right? So... I'm phoning up the management going like, you know, can we get in touch with Zoe because, you know, I've written a song about her. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, written a song about your model that your works for you and your agency. Can you think you could give us a phone number to her? I want to talk to her. Not a chance in hell. Right. So we had to find this way to go through that. We eventually were given the introduction, right, which worked. Thank God. I've got a terrible itch in my foot. This doesn't happen on the BBC. Oh, God. Oh. Right in the middle of a story. <laughs> Bloody septum. So, the management goes, okay, da-da-da, and we have to explain to him exactly what it's all about. Then we send down a copy of the song, and we send down a copy of the lyric and everything. And it was accepted. And it was like, they went, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's bona fide. Because I'm, I'm having to do, I'm Fish X singer, I'm really, you know. The, <sighs> so, um, so anyway, I was, I was down in London and we agreed to meet up. And um, it was just to, basically to meet up. So, of course, you know, everybody's getting like, finar, finar up here. But, you know, yeah, going down to meet Zoe in London and stuff. But she was really nice. She was a very pleasant, very intelligent person. And her photography, you know, we checked out some of the stuff she did. It was excellent. And, um, and you know, she kind of come out of this whole page three thing. And she didn't really want to go back and revisit it all because she had a career, which was absolutely, perfectly okay with me. But it was great to kind of meet, 
to, to actually meet her at the time. I didn't do a selfie or anything like that. But it was kind of, you understood that, you know, she kind of made her own name in, 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 in the photography business and didn't want to kind of go back and revisit what she did as a model. She now did photographs of models and things. And um, so the video was kiboshed. And I think there was a couple of things in the press about it, you know, but it was, it never came out. But that was what the whole kind of, that was what the whole story was about, was this whole thing was over. And it was really nice to kind of meet her. And we actually had a lovely walk around Hyde Park, just having a natter about photography and things and all sorts of stuff. Right. She's a great company. But Zoe 25, needless to say, didn't happen as a single. And it was another one of those that went missing. I still love it. And normally, I'd be playing, I would have played this in the afternoon or I've not. So. Oh, I've got the wrong setting on. Thank you. 
chasing her white rabbits through the tunnels far below, where she moves around invisible to all concerned anonymous, a dream girl in a nightmare on a journey to the stars. Zoe 25 from the album 30 Star by Moa. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that for ages. I love playing it on the on the Fishheads Club Acoustic Tour. It was fantastic to play. I see a couple of references up there. I got like a song about Page Street Girl. That was not the intention. It wasn't the kind of intention. It was to do with the bona fide the exploration of a relationship within a fantasy grouping and sexual context, if you much. Neil Quarrell, hello from Southampton. Terence Quinlan, thank you, like that song. Rick Gay, Red 30 Star is probably my favourite solo album. Yeah, it's, it was a great album. It was seen as a kind of comeback album. I mean, um, you know, they always say, back to Farquhar Corner. It was, um, you know, they always say that, you know, when you write, it's, it's, a, it's a great, um, the, <sighs> take the show. Um, the catharsis that comes with writing, uh, especially me. I mean, I've discovered, I mean, <laughs> leads into what I'm going to be playing later on. You know, part of the thing that, that I discovered in the last kind of year or so, that I, um, there's a lot of like weird characteristics and things that I've got and little eccentricities and, and stuff. And uh, one of the things I definitely found that was on, on the kind of spectrum and all that. And it was, um, one of the things with writing, I, I find great solace in writing. Um, I can get a lot of feelings and, and down on paper and explain myself, my female feelings by writing things down. And that was, you know, and you know, 30 Star was definitely that. It allowed me to kind of write. And because I didn't want to write about, kind of totally immerse myself in that thing that just happened in that relationship, you know, I was able to take on a, a different perspective on it all. So at the end of the day, you know, I got a broken arm, but I got a broken album, which is nice. <laughs> and it was great. And then songs like Manchmal, which I think Simona wanted to hear Manchmal. That's one of her favourite songs. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was great to be able to just kind of 
get stuff out of my system, you know. But it's only 25 was just such a beautiful song. Like I said, it was definitely an homage to uh, Ray Davis and, and Terry and Julie and Waterloo Sunset, without a shadow of a doubt. And there were a couple of things that I picked out in my own life, kind of, and there was a couple of things I picked out in Finley's life as well. I remember her telling me at the time when uh, I was kind of, uh, we'd kind of got together and split up and got together again, and then they kind of split up and it all went, you know, dark and evil the first time. It was, uh, it was kind of, she was going to move into Diggs, and I remember her telling her, you know, she was pissed off, and it was like kind of the landlady that she had was always singing stone songs in the shower, and I, I took that line right out and just used that in Zoe 25. So, like I said, I mean, I always get a reputation for writing kind of, you know, about relationships, but, you know, <laughs> you know like I said, I mean, it's, it's the way I deal with stuff, you know. Pete, Pete Junior Ashton, itchy foot syndrome. <laughs> It's glitching. It's right in the middle of my foot, and I, it's it's like the itch is underneath, inside, and it's a bummer. Yeah, medical, medical brings me on to medical. It's, it's great. I'm getting queued all over the place tonight. Um, so I got a. I was given an appointment with the physio. Well, I got a letter from the physiotherapy department, um, NHS, saying uh, you're on the list. You, you could take up to two months, right? Then I got a letter saying uh, you didn't answer us, so you're off the list now. And I phoned up and I said, I've not heard anything about an appointment. And then I got given an appointment and I had the appointment the other day, which was kind of two weeks after my MRI scan. Now, this has all got to do with my shoulder, right? And I know, I knew I'd torn a tendon in, in my shoulder and my, my doctor at the Royal, um, she said she suspected it was it was torn and they didn't know whether it was going to be op an operation whether i was going to be facing another operation under general anesthetic like i did with this one back in 17 which was a major rotator cuff operation right but this one i don't know how i tore it i've got no idea how i tore this right but seemingly if it, you tear one it's there's like a weakness seemingly it signifies as a weakness anyway it got torn so physio, da da da, two months waiting list, you didn't turn up, you're off the waiting list, then da da da, you got a physio appointment, MRI appointment, not I had anything about the scanner or what was found out, da da da. So I went down to, to the physio the other day and uh, I saw this New Zealand guy who was the guy that actually looked after me with physio when I did this shoulder, he gave me my initial physio exercises for this shoulder, which is absolutely brilliant now. And um, so we, I went down and he goes, hi, Fish, how are you doing? What are you doing here? Da, da, da. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. I said, you know, I don't know whether this is a wasted journey. And he said, no, no. And he went through it and he, he, he had the MRI sheet in front of him. I didn't even see it. So I've got an eight millimeter tear, tear in my, my shoulder under the tendon. It's just about there. It's, I can't get in my back pocket, right? Which, you know, I know there'll be loads of jokes about Scottish people and like, keep your wallet. Oh, my wallet, it's in my back pocket. Can I get it, you know? I'll be your round again if there was a pub. And um, so anyway, so I've got this, this tear. So I went down to physio and the guy was great. And he, we, we did a bit. And because we've got longer times than normal, because everybody's got these slots and nobody knows it, we did the exercises. So it was, uh, he told me what to do and things. And um, and uh, we were then we were sitting comparing injuries. It was like, you know, as old guys do nowadays, like, you know, how's your, oh, see my knees, see getting up in the morning, see. I need to get another wee bit of foot on my double bed because I can't get up out of bed because it's so low. All this crap, right? So anyway, I went down. 
I thought I was going in for an, I was I thought I was heading for an operation, but came out with the news uh, about the MRI scan. And funnily enough, when I arrived back here at the house, I had my letter in from the NHS at the Royal in Edinburgh, which said, "Here's your report for your MRI scan." So it would all been like that. But at the end of the day, I'm so glad because I don't have to face an operation for this shoulder. That was hellish to get done. I mean, the aftermath. It took me months to get over to get that back up and running again. And, but this one, I've been given these exercises. So basically, I don't have the general aesthetic, which is great, which means that I'm free for the general aesthetic on the other operation. I can't tell you about it at the moment, which, you know, it's, it's another thing, right? Not serious. So, what I've been given is these. So, at first when I was given them, I thought, great. They've prescribed me Morris dancing to get over my damaged shoulder. But no, stretchy things, stretchy things. And I've got to tie these to a door handle, which I have done. I'm doing these exercises now. So I tie, I tie one at a door handle. The other one I've got to put underneath my foot. And I've got to do this kind of exercise here. Where you've got to, oh, what is it? Yeah, it's that one. Lift my arm up with that. And I do that a fair few times a day, and eventually I'll have a shoulders, and I'll have I'll have a set of shoulders like Mike Tyson. If I can get rid of the boobs, I'm going to be really, really happy. But it means um, Simone and I have decided, right, as of Monday, because of the endless fruit and nuts during lockdown, uh, fruit and nut bars, family size, and uh, and everything else. It's um, we've got a cross trainer out in the cabin, and as of Monday. We're both going into the cabin to do the cross trainer and I've got what I call a sugar machine, which is kind of, it shakes you and it helps you, it moves your muscles up and down. And we're going to start doing stretching exercises with a view to taking up yoga. Because I think it's time for this old bloke to take up yoga and start stretching. My, my really good friends, John Marshall and Isabel Marshall, have been on at me for ages and we went up with them to Dalkeith and did a couple of sessions, but... Spinal injury, rotator cuff injury, did it. I got caught up in all this crap. And it was just, I lost it. But now I just feel with everything coming on and the darkness of winter, which is coming. Right? I figured, you know, it's time to start exercising and doing stuff. Maybe, you know, doing other bits and pieces just to try and get myself trim a little bit. So I'd get the shoulder exercises done. Then it'll be great. And I'll be ready for the general estate for the next operation, which we can't talk about at the moment. Right? It's embarrassing. Right? Uh, but you'll hear about it when it's not tea time, right? The Scottish only breathing. <laughs> Sean Michelle, yeah, get your wallet and a piece of elastic, big man. That's what I can do with the elastic after. I can tie my wallet to it and then I can ping it round, right in my hand, do tricks in the bar. Uh. Oh yeah, Jack Mack, copper wire was invented when two Scotsmen were fighting over a penny. Oh, how many times have I heard that one? Oh, oh yeah, this is another thing. Um, I'm, I'm aware of it. Uh, it was actually, I, I, I nominated this question. I've got to say, there's a couple of things I've got to say. See you later. Uh, 
Well, I've said thank you very much to Dave Barris and Scott Mackay for the royalty check. Thank you again for the electric man royalty check, Dave Barris and Scott Mackay. Very good of you to get together and give me the £1.53. I will treasure it. Andy Tosh McIntosh. Thank you again, Tosh. Andy Tosh McIntosh. Tosh for sending in uh, the questions, right? He said, uh, could you wish Torsten Buchanau a happy 46th birthday? He's having a fish on Friday birthday party tonight, but it's his birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday, Torsten. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Torsten. Happy birthday to you. There you go. And Tosh, being his usual kind of self, right? Would you be so awfully kind to wish my long-suffering wife, Leslie, a very happy birthday for next Tuesday? Leslie, happy birthday, right? You poor woman, right? So, uh, Gary Rovner, um, hi, Fish, I'm 62 years young today. We'd make a special day even more special if you could give me a birthday mention in your show tonight. Gary Rovner, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, Gary, happy birthday to you, thank you very much. Um... Greg Haylock, would love to hear Heart and Loathing from a papa who would have been 91 yesterday. Uh, well, belated at me, 91st birthday, severely belated to your dad, but it's, um, he's obviously a jambo, probably. I would think he's a jambo. One of the things I did, Heart and Loathing, right? I'm not playing it, by the way. It's, um, uh, Heart and Loathing, when I, when I put it together, it was, it was the Heart of Loathing, I've, I think I did this in a previous Fishing Friday, but it's actually some red maroon cobbles that are in the Royal Mail, just up by the, the courthouse. And um, it was, allegedly, the story goes, it's where they, they, they burned witches and stuff there. And the, 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 it's a little heart, right, which is kind of tied in with Walter Scott and all sorts of stuff, you know, the heart of Lothian. And um, the alleged thing is, if you spit on the heart of Lothian, uh, you will always come back to Edinburgh. I think I, I did mention this in the previous programme that you know, in Rome, Rome, you throw a coin in the fountain, in the Trevi fountain, you know, as a jigsaw, all right? You throw a coin. What was it if you throw a jigsaw in the Trevi fountain? You come back a million fan. It was, um, but you throw a coin in the Trevi fountain, you'll always come back to Rome. But in Edinburgh, if you spit on the cobbles, you'll always come back, you know? So God knows, it must be an agar dish. I think the council have got to actually disinfect it every morning, you know, but... It's, it's pretty ugly when you think about it, you know, spitting and spitting the road there. It's pretty a TB on that road. So, um, but that was Heart of Lothian. And I used that on the Misplaced Shelter thing because it was like I was born with a Heart of Lothian. Forgetting at the time, because I was living mainly down in London, right, I forgot, right, the pelters, right, the wrath I was going to get off the hippie, the pelters I was going to get off various other people and the Mickey taking and the banter. It would go with the fact that I'm a Hibernian football club supporter writing a song which was basically semi-adopted by Harold Lothian. I don't think it was fully adopted because they would never have a Hibernian supporter singing a song that was like, you know, anything to do with my hearts. And like I said, I have been chided and abused for it ever since. You know? but, um, but yeah, sorry to hear about your dad. It was, uh, 91's a good age if he'd made that one. Uh, um... Stuart Smallman, having recovered from COVID in April, reciting script to myself in ICU during some real dark days. Absolutely loved the Fish and Friday, blah, 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 retreading. No problem. I'm glad that uh, things have happened, Stuart. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I had a couple of orders this week. Right. Andy Woodall, 
why the lack of love for no dummy from Suits, right? And Stephen Dempster said, do you have any song that you regret recording or how they turned out musically across your entire catalogue or any you have been surprised at that with time you feel were actually better than how you feel felt when they were recorded? Hope that makes sense. So do I. Um, no dummy of the Suits album. Maybe I should, I should maybe put that up for a vote. But it's... Um, that was a song I was never really happy with. It never... Neither James or I, James Cassidy, who, who produced Suits and stuff, and, you know, we were never happy with it. I, th I think it was like I was too, you know, I was trying to get something that was kind of really rough and ready and something that had a, a bit of aggression in it, and it was supposed to be a song that was about, you know, uh, a guy that had muscle rather than, you know, the other side, rather than having uh, the education, he went in for the muscle, me no dummy, right? And um, and it never worked. And I would love, it's one of the songs that I, I, I'd love to hear somebody from the youth department do. I'd love to see, get, I'd love to get somebody else's take on that song and do what I couldn't do with it. Because I mean, basically I was too white, too middle class to kind of make that happen. It was like, my voice just wasn't suited for it. I mean, we thought, we were getting there, but we just, it just never got there. And like I said, I'd, I'd love to see covered. Somebody else wrote in about, uh, about cover versions of, of songs and things. What I do know, right, and not a lot of people do know out there, right, but what I do know is that Tony Hadley from Spander Valley would love to do Lavender. It's one of his favorite songs. So, there you are. Siobhan Freeburn, happy birthdays. Happy birthday, Siobhan. Uh, oh, happy birthday, Torsten, sorry. Charlie B, hey, happy birthday when it comes in tomorrow. It's everybody's birthday now, is it? Right? Is it that old game? No. Darren Mills, are you a time lord? As Fishing Friday goes too quickly. It does, doesn't it? Right? But tonight, wait till you hear what someone has got going for tonight. It's going to be good. Uh, Rod O'Brien, what's the furthest away Veltschmerz is getting delivered to? I don't know at the moment. From here, probably New Zealand. I think we've got, and I'm doing a, an interview with a New Zealand podcast. I think it's next week or the week after next. The interview, I've been doing loads of interviews. The reviews on the album, by the way, are kind of blowing me away a wee bit. Well, not blowing me away a wee bit. They're blowing me a lot. I've seen some of the reviews that are going to be going out in the in the next months. The German stuff is incredible. It's the best reviews I have ever ha had. In fact, I might... I might just... Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do these in German, because it's like... Uh, da -da 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 -da. Fish ist ein Schamana, ein Magier uh, und archaischer Influencer der moderner Rockmusik. Einer, der jede Silbe auf die Goldwagen liegt und, und am Ende mit vollen Händen entdeckt. Gut right. möglich fast die Weltmedaillen für den innovativen Fisch tatsächlich zu klein war. The writing's very small, that's what it is. Um, and uh, they were both from classic rock, by the way, in Germany, right? So it was like, that's book. And they gave it a 9 out of 10 review, which is fantastic. 
Ein mehr als würdiges Abschiedswerk von der Music Scene, Schal Magazine. Eclipse gave it 8 out of 10. And uh, it's been stunning. We're getting blown away. We're still not getting any airplay, any serious airplay on Gardner Remembrance, um, um, which is disappointing. And this party's over is heading up next into the traps. Um, in fact, I think it's going to be next week. I will update you tomorrow and let you know exactly what's happened with the new video as well that Miles Scarron's done, which is fantastic. Right. Darren Gelder, possibly if you married your childhood sweetheart, would we have all these great songs? No. I mean, you know, I write about my life and my life has been peppered with, you know, peppered with various mishaps of the heart. And, um... Mikhail Vasev, a tune in Spanish, you've never returned. Karl Kaiser, best wishes from Germany. Dean Davis, the Empress song for vote. Could be. Neil Montgomery, what do you think about this whole going? Oh, but I missed that one. And I probably just as well. Wandering into a dangerous area. Uh, Black Canal. Now, there's a song. In fact, I might put Black Canal up for the vote next week. And then we can go through Black Canal. So, yeah, Jenny Taffer. <laughs> Simon Farquhar, yeah. Um, Thompson Kensing, we all have, we all have to think about cliche. That works with it all. A lot of bit of my word. Three weeks to go. Three weeks to go. Off to the arm comes out. I'm going like, has somebody announced it? It's all over. We can all go and escape and run about and naked again. Yes. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I'm still waiting, but I, I sent an email to my agent last week going, any news, what's happening? Nothing, not a thing. And uh, please don't write in and go, where can I buy tickets for any such gig? Because I don't know. We don't sell tickets here, and I've got no idea what is happening. Nothing, nada, nichts, right? It's, um, you know, and as I said before, I mean, going by these blurps, uh, R rates and shutdowns and lockdowns and you know do this and don't do this and stuff. It's like I just I there's no way that in an atmosphere in an environment you know in a kind of kind of where rulings like that kicking around that we can go out. There's no way we just can't do it. Right? Oh, Tim Berman, it was your birthday yesterday, Big Man. It's everybody's birthday. Everybody's birthday. Happy birthday to everybody. Everybody, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, God. Mark Bona, Tony Hadley Lavender, smiley, yes. Oh, Sue Fletcher, happy birthday to Stuart, who watches every week for Tuesday. Who watches every week for Tuesday? Tuesday comes around every week. Right, watch it on a Monday. Oh, I get it. Who watches? Yeah, okay. Somebody from Bulgaria has come. The names come through in Bulgarian, but hello from Bulgaria. Well, yeah, Richard Richard Pelling, someone in the Antarctic the Antarctic ship is going to have to order it now. Jane Charlton, listen to Misplaced in its entirety in an MRI scanner. Time passed very quickly. Misplaced. Maybe we should think, like, what's the most unlikely 
you know, what songs have you listened to in an MRI scanner? You should, maybe it could be a, an album, you know, like great MRI scanner hits, songs for your MRI scanner visit, right? Matthias <laughs> Mano, Scottish German accent, yeah. Steve Nichol, Planet Rock is playing remembers. Planet Rock do great by me, by the way. It's, they're fantastic. They've been highly supportive and it's wonderful. It's, um, and it's great to get played the stations. And, you know, I mean, I've got to say, I think it was 121,000 streams or something on Spotify. Uh, I can't remember, but it's... Uh, it's... Daryl John Ford, why am to the Fish and Friday t-shirts? Working on them. Stuart Bale and I have got to get this together. Well, I'm not... I'll have a design probably up to have a look at next week, I hope, right? And the same way, also on the... It's not so much the to-do list, but like it will be done list. Is we are putting the PayPal thing up on the website for people who can who do not have credit cards or debit cards. On the website, you can actually use a debit card. It says credit cards, but I need to. We were talking with the people at Fuse Metrics, and we're changing this around just so it's like easier and people understand how to work it. And we're bringing the PayPal option in for those people who cannot order online with their bank cards. So that's going to be sorted out next week, but we're putting up uh, a fact list, an FAQ list, so that it kind of outlines everything about orders and pre-orders and what happens, so it's easy to understand. But I mean, it's happening. It's all like, oh, so much better than it was. I mean, I shudder to think what would have happened if we'd gone for this pre-order on this album where the old mail order set up from a year ago. I mean, it would have collapsed, absolutely collapsed. And it, this one's handling very well. It's not even creaking. And um, and it's good. And it's we're, we're working at it at the right pace. Everything's happening, tidying things up. So we're all feeling, you know, comfortable-ish. And, you know, Dreading, you know, when we actually get to to the the mail situation. I mean, we've had all the packages arriving, so all the containers for the vinyl, all the containers for the deluxes, they're all been coming in. Um, the deluxe, the the vinyls arriving here on the tenth of September, I think it is, and the deluxes arrive here on the twenty third, allegedly. And I'm pretty confident that Profact, my lovely guys, along Michelle and everybody out there, are gonna do exactly what they said. They've been brilliant putting this project, holding this project together and dealing with the manufacturing end. So my hat is off to uh, Michael and the team across the Profact. And the guys at GZ, you know, they've been, they've been putting it together, putting shifts in, so. <laughs> Thorsten Kensing. Oh, <laughs> best Barry Robinson, how is quitting smoking affected your voice? Looking forward to the new album. Um, it really helped my voice. I've got to admit, I've not been, I'm, I'm not, you, there's no halo above the head. It might look like it in the shine, but it's not. And I have been, I've been a very naughty boy. I have been a naughty boy. And um, yeah, I've kind of drifted back into not smoking uh, kind of, shop cigarettes but roll-ups you know and um yeah so I've, I've kind of found guilty it will be stopped it's something that we've just in the last kind of six months seven months or so it's been you know we gave up we, we stopped drinking alcohol for over five months and it was kind of you know we kind of dipped into 
smoking around that time. So, but it's going to be stopped. Smoking's a weird thing. It's your chest more than anything else. It's your for your your for your actual vocal cords. What it does is it artificially swells them up because it irritates them. Therefore, it swell it, so they swell up. That's why they talk about smoky voices and things. And your cords swell up, which makes your your voice a lot thicker. Um, but it also because of all the shit that's in cigarettes is uh, I'm well aware of. By the way. Um, you can you irritate your cords and it can make them red raw and it makes them susceptible to infection. On top of that, the smoking takes down your immune system along together with alcohol. It's a double whammy. Takes your immune system out, means you're more open to infection. I put that on a tour scenario and you know it's it's kind of that's one of the reasons why the last couple of tours I've done, you know, it, they've been relatively kind of problem free, you know, and. Um, you know, it's, um, but it's your chest. I mean, you, you basically, it, it fucks your lungs up. You know, the ammonia, the everything else, right? And you don't have the breathing. You don't have the, the, the lung capacity and stuff. So you put it together, it's a shit idea for singers. But I mean, you know, one of the problems with smoking, you know, where anybody is smoking on the road, it's like if you're a smoker, the wrong place to give up smoking is on the road. You know, when you're sitting in a dressing room, especially when there's a bunch of other guys in the band and crew. And that's one of the things that helped me last, the last time I was out. In fact, there was nobody there. So we were vaping all the time. So, and I prefer vaping. I know vaping is shit. And I know people are going to write and go, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. But it's like between this or smoking cigarettes, then this is better. You know, it's not the best thing, but it's, you know, the best thing is to stop everything. But, you know. I'm 62 year old and I've been an addict. I started smoking when I was 14 years old. And I often say I've never, I don't have any regrets in my life, but I wish I'd never taken up smoking. But, you know, but then again, things happened with cigarettes over the years. Uh, uh, John Germanotto, who's your favorite ever rock drummer? I don't know. Um, Kevin Wilkinson, you know, like hearing him uh, on Shadowplay last week when hearing the live version, I was reminded just how really good he is. Gavin Griffiths is a brilliant drummer, and he's a he's a he's my live drummer. He's, he just picks up things so easily. Craig Blundell in the studio on uh, on the Velschkast material was an absolute genius. Um, there's a lot of people I've liked over over the years. I mean. Um, Mark Brzezinski's drummer. I mean, it's difficult to say, like, you know, who's my favourite all-time drummer because John Martyr was my drummer and he was great doing what he did. What John Martyr does was brilliant. What Mark Brzezinski did was brilliant. Overall, you know, as, as a live drummer, it's, it's hard. I mean, again, with no disrespect to Gavin, I'd say, you know, I think Kevin was the the most exciting. But, you know, as I said, I mean, Gavin is, is a brilliant drummer. And uh, I've... He picks up things so fast, it's unbelievable, you know. Uh, oh yeah, that was it. The Zoe thing, um, you sent in the name, and I wrote it down and I lost it. Zoe McConnell. Zoe McConnell is, uh, was Zoe 25. Zoe 25's real name was Zoe McConnell. But, um, but I'm not a stalker, I'm not a stalker. No. That's the German thing. Da -da -da -da. Uh, da -da 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 -da. 
Will it be an early finish tonight? This is from Tony and Doug, right? Will it be an early finish tonight as the Scotland match starts at 7.45? And Gary J. Flaxman said, boy, oh no, that was our one. And Tony and Doug, oh, I thought it was a copied over. Anyway, there's a game on tonight. I gotta admit, it's, um, uh, Scotland matches, uh, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, I used to get really excited about Scotland games, and I've, I've been a fair few. I used to go down to, to to London with my dad. We used to get a train from the Waverley and get the sleeper train down to London and arrive at um, King's Cross, and then my uncle George used to pick us up, and then we go back to his flat, and then. I'd watch my dad and my Uncle George drink copious amounts of whiskey uh, along with the other guys that were going to Wembley with and then we'd go along to see Scotland play England and I'd come out crying. And I always remember that. It's like, you know, when I was a little boy, I'd go, oh, rubbish, you know. And I've seen some horrendous displays down there, right? And, um, and of course, we all know about the, the, the Wembley, the Euro game and uh, Wembley when Scotland played England and I sung the anthem. I've dealt with that one before. But I mean, um, the Scotland games, I, I kind of went off, you know. I loved g going, I, I like seeing Scotland in other countries, you know. I hate Hamden, but I hate Hamden anyway. So I've never, I never, I never really liked Hamden. And I think maybe it's just because of the, the bad memories. I mean, you know, the Hibs Cup final and back in 2016, I wasn't even at. It was the, the one time we won it in 114 years, I wasn't there. Uh, but I mean... But I mean, Scotland, Israel, you know, number one, this is a thing. Now, now here's a thing, right? The Scotland, Israel game, the Scotland, Israel game is on Sky tonight. It's the, the main thing in Sky. And I kind of have this thing about, you know, when it's Scotland, you know, I think they should be on normal telly, you know? It's a Scotland match. It's an interna it's, a, it's a Scottish international, you know? And you, you think it should be, you know, you're trying to get young kids excited in, in football. And especially now, it's like, you know, you know, if it was a, a Sky match, I'd normally go down to the, the, the pub to watch it, you know. Scotland match, down to the pub, a couple of pints, watch Scotland match, come back, follow her, right. But, I mean, you know, there's no pubs. Or, it's, you know, who wants to go to pubs at the moment? So why the hell can't we have a thing where it's like, with the international matches, because Northern Ireland, I think, are playing tonight as well. Why don't they just, um, you know, why don't they give us that, you know? You get 50, you know, you get these 50% meal vouchers for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Why can't we get the Scotland match for free on STV or BBC Scotland or something, you know? So it gives us, it brightens us up rather than, I mean, because I don't, I used to get Sky Sports and it just got so expensive. And it was like, you know, it, and it steals your life, right? Because then suddenly you find yourself on a Tuesday night watching Ipswich against Burnley or something, some game that you've got no interest in whatsoever, but you feel you've got to watch it because you've just paid a fortune for Sky Sports. Crap, right? So I, I stopped watching it, and it's like, it's, uh, you know, I'm lucky because I'm a hip supporter, as you know, and because Simone and I have had season tickets for the last three years, and we've got, we bought our season tickets for this year very early, so we get past, so we can actually watch the live games. And I think the St Mirren game this weekend, I think we can actually watch the St Mirren game live. So that's great. But I mean, you know, it's Scotland tonight, European Championship. 
I'm not particularly interested in it. I'll be absolutely honest. I think it's going to be disappointing. I think Scotland's going to suffer badly from not having a crowd basically being at them, right? And basically driving them up the pitch. Um, and Israel are, are not dumbwits. And they've got the Hibs goalkeeper, Rocky Marciano, who may be between the sticks tonight, which is another thing. And he's quite a handy keeper. And, uh, and we've got no forwards. But, you know, so we've got no strikers any, no. So, you know, watching the Scotland-Israel game is not high. So, I mean, put it this way, I mean... This is on, it's recorded anyway, so like, if you want to watch the Scotland Israel game, you always come back and catch the last 15 minutes. If it was on TV, I would be watching it and giving you commentary here. <laughs> oh, great, oh, oh bollocks. This, if you ever get a chance to look at it, there's an old clip. I don't know where it is now. And it was, it was filmed for the, the, the Polska video, and it's, it's actually on the, the Polska film. The Polska film was made during the Fishheads Club tour. She maybe keep this for another time. But anyway, part of the filming involved Foss Patterson, who is a jambo, a heart supporter, and me watching a Hibs Hearts derby in a hotel room in Poland. The language was absolutely choice, right? And uh, I went nuts, you know, and I completely forgot there was a camera on and stuff. So it was a, uh, you know. Yeah, so you don't want me doing a Scotland commentary tonight or watching a Scotland match for you on there. You know. Upset the children. Uh, oh. Richard P. Oh, there are. Oh, couch convention. Oh, yeah. Moira Fraser. I smoked since I was 14 and quit 21 years ago. But it makes no difference if you stop smoking or not. Damage is done. Won't go away. Da da da. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, the liver does heal itself. Jeff, Elgate must be kind of hard now that Wales and Republic of Ireland are better too. Yes, fair enough. It's like, we're shite and we know we are. Right? And it's um, it's just one of them things. I used to, like I said, I used to get really upset about it and, you know, I don't now. It passes quickly. It's the same as it seems to be honest. It's like, you know, we got beat on, on sun, Sunday, last Sunday by Aberdeen 1-0 and it was... Uh, a penalty and it was oh, fair enough you know it you know my life is not going to change in any way you know due to a Hibs result or a Scotland result um it's nice to get excited but it's hard to get excited you know when it's like difficult to get excited about a team you know and and I love Scotland and as I said I mean I've had some remarkable adventures you know not that many I mean I was kind of the my Favourite one, Norway was a good one. When we went up to Norway and we got... I'll leave that story, that's a good story. I'll leave it for another time. Steve Wells should be in Council Telly, yes. Ah, I know. Simon Wynne-Jones, Israel 5, Scotland 0. I think we might get a goal. I think we could get one. Phil Wood, best drummers, Terry Bozio, brilliant. Uh, Phil Collins, yep. Collins was a, a, is a great drummer. So is his laddie. Glenn Foster, good afternoon, Fish from New Hampshire, USA. You talked the other week about Marillion's first appearance on Top of the Pops. 
Do you have any memories of the concert you gave later that evening in Gersinan Leisure Centre, just outside Swansea? One of the best million gigs I went to. I kind of remember Gersinan. I've got, I've, I've got the, the memory throws up a kind of relatively tall stage and a kind of smallish centre. I can't remember the gig. And I remember it was a fun gig to do. Um, and I seem to remember we were very, very drunk. But, um, but no, I find it hard remembering, unless something really specific happens in gigs, I mean, I find it difficult. I mean, you know, when I think back to 97 and things, you know, the, 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 the sets and I can't really remember them. You know, they, they, they kind of pass. I remember things that happened around the gigs but the actual shows, is, it's like, you know, they, be, they just become a blur, you know? And um, this, this, sometimes there's specific things that happen, like really out of uh, the way things that happen at gigs. And sometimes if I hear, if somebody goes, oh, this happened, it'll prompt me and I'll, I'll get a flashback and, and that'll happen. But I mean, gigs in general, I find it, I find them hard to remember. They are, you're, you're kind of in the zone, you know? It's, so it's this... Um, I don't explain this, but you kind of, you go up there and you go in this zone and you become something else. It's like, I always wonder how, you know, when they talk about football players, they're like, you know, do you remember what happened leading up to the goal? And it's like, oh yeah, well this happened, this happened. I don't believe them. You know, you know I think it's, there's a lot of instinct comes in and it's hard to remember when you meet in, in, instinctive, when when you react instinctively and, and you know, you're, you're reacting. It's hard to remember that. It doesn't become a normal memory. Hope he didn't come to blows with Foss preliminary. No, Foss and I never came to blows about Hibs and Hearts, about derby matches. We always have, there's always a little, a tiny little bit of gloating that happens, but you know, you know what it's like with football matches, you know, if you start becoming a big time gloater, then, you know, you're not going to win every match, right? And eventually it's going to turn around and you can you take it? So the best thing to do is if you win a football match against your friend's team, it's like, don't go too much because there is going to be come back. If you can't take it, don't instigate it. Right? Like to take your Ipswich fan, Andy Burrows. Yeah, there was a there was a big Scot Scottish player. His ex mother will used to play for Ipswich back in the seventies. Please send a message. Dave Hardy out for a curry. Have a mint night. Have a good curry, Dave. Yeah. It's strange now because it's like now people are moving about and things that like, you know, you see the, the, the numbers and the people that are watching this live and then you see the people that, are, by the time you get up to Tuesday, they're up to the numbers we used to get on the Friday. So it's still working. You know? uh. <laughs> Dustin Kensing, don't you have all f uh, the... Jack Mack, World Cup stickers, albums. The countries never qualified were in the back. Yeah, that was us. No. <laughs> Darren Bush, have you got a family tartan? Yes, I do. I do have a family tartan. I have the Dick family tartan, which is, it's registered as the Dick family tartan. And uh, the kilt that I wear nowadays is made from on that tartan. It was, funnily enough, it was made... Uh, back in 2006 and um, I decided that it was uh, and I've got, I've, got, I've got one of those old man mind blanks now right um, 
yeah, I decided to get Montartan for the wedding that never was. And I got it. And it's, again, one of the good things that came out of all that. And it's based on the Keith Tartan, which is kind of kind of similar, a black watch vibe. And uh, so the Keith Tartan's been, it actually had a yellow line put in the pattern. And that's how it became the Dick Tartan. In fact, I'll try and dig it out for next week. It's too much because it's up there somewhere. It's in one of the cabinets somewhere. And I've got a little swatch with the, 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 the thing on it, which you can't see because it's mirrored. Right, yeah. but yeah, so it's Matt Tartan, the Dick family Tartan, and there was a there was a quite a few years ago, there was a town in Poland, and I may have been Conan, and they they were going to put Tartan all over. They were going to do all the houses in the city centre as as paint them in Tartan, because there was a there was a heavy uh, there was a lot of Scottish immigrants who were religiously persecuted that moved across to, to Conan Poland and had their own little community there. And they actually wanted to put my uh, my tartan up on a, on one of the buildings. But it, it never happened for some reason or not, you know. Raymond von Jake, oh, that was a good one. Send that again. Job means, I fish, job means, Centre of the Universe in Utrecht, Netherlands. Can you promise that around December there will be a romantic Christmas tree in the background during Fishing Friday? Yes. <laughs> we'll be, I'll get, I'll get the rocking chair out and I'll do the Val Dunican, you know, prog rock, you know, Christmas special in front of the Christmas tree. And I get, oh, glue wine. Need to get glue wine. Need to get glue wine, darling. Ah, James, saw you in the Upland Swansea in tiny venue. Your head was pressing on the ceiling. My yes. Yeah, I've done quite a few clubs. Actually, I've done gigs. I've, I've, I've done club gigs where there's a girder and it's like the girder's there right? and I have to go under the girder. You could actually, I couldn't, where the microphone was, it was like there was a girder solo. I've smacked my head off a few places. Right. Alan Brazil, he played for Ipswich. Yes, well done. John Wark. John Walk was the guy. Yeah, I love John Walk's playing. The Ipswich players, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. Graham Somerville, watch the Aylesbury clip on YouTube when you and the Berlin guys got back together. How was that for you? Really weird. It was, um, it was strange. Funnily enough, it was pretty much after, very soon after the the, um, the release of 13 Star and I was still a bit you know tender and stuff it was um, and I went down to Aylesbury which is really strange what actually happened with that was was that when I was in Aylesbury in 81, 82 right um, everybody talked about uh the Marcus Square gigs, and I think David Sops and Friars had put in it. It was, it was something on the wall. I can't remember what it was. Hobble, Hobble on the Cobbles. That was what it was. That was exactly what we played. Hobble on the Cobbles, and John Otway had played it. And we'd, I'd seen these photographs in, in various kind of Friars Club magazines and stuff of the stage stuff. And I went, we would love to play it. And Marillion, when I was in the band, always wanted to play the Marcus Square. And we never got a chance to do it. It was... 
banned for whatever reason or we couldn't get it, nobody wanted to take us on or something, right? Unfeasible. So, I get an offer to play Hobble on the Cobbles, resurrected, right? And I went, that would be, oh, 2007, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it's, um, so I got the offer to play and I was like, great. And Marillion happened to be playing uh, across in Glasgow at the, the ABC or whatever it was. And I went across to see them and, you know, I was talking to the guys after and I said, you know, I'm playing, it's great, I'm playing the Marcus Square. And I said, you know, it'd be great, you know, if, if you know, we could do something, you know. And I think it was Mark agreed first. I think Mark Kelly agreed, right? And then... I can't remember, it might have been Ian. Anyway, the guys talked about it and I said, look, look, you know, you know, you're welcome if you want to come down. And they all agreed to come down. And I said, I promised them, I said, look, I'm not, this has not been announced. I'm not putting it on Facebook that we're going to be playing. And I kept to my word, you know. And there was no announcements about this happening. And it was just to do one song. It wasn't kind of anything else apart for, from... Let's do Market Square Heroes. And I told them the key and they went, we don't play that key anymore, right? I said, well, this is the key I do it in, right? And they were brilliant. And I remember staying at Mark's, the, I stayed at Mark Kelly's house the night before, before the gig. And we were, we revisited the old days. And I had to stop Mark from climbing down a well. Uh, and the next day we arrived and the word was starting to get out about, you know, because obviously they were hanging around and things. And then we kind of did a, a, a rough check and I went on and did it. But there was, like I said, it wasn't an attempt to do publicity. All The only reason for doing that gig was like, because we always, as kids, I say as kids, you know, as young men, we always wanted to play Friars. It was like, well, let's do Market Square and Friars. That was all it was. It was the only thing we wanted to do. It was just a dream come true for basically five of us, right? And that was it, right? Mm. It exploded. And I just, we couldn't believe. It was like, you know, the pages, the websites and stuff and everything just went on meltdown. And... Uh, and of course, everybody's going reunion, they get back together again. It was never the case. That was never the intention. There was, nobody was talking about reunion. It was basically five guys who were, you know, great friends from way, way back. Let's just get together and play one song in the market square. That was all it was. And suddenly, HMV were ordering racks of albums of EMI, you know, thinking that there, was some, there, was, there were plans afoot for a reunion. No, never was. Right? And it kind of... It, and it kind of, it, it, it sort of worked against us, like, because what happened was that, I mean, I, I don't think Steve Hogarth was particularly happy about it because as far as I knew, he wasn't aware that it was all happening. And he was caught, caught up in it all, and, you know, which was kind of very unfair. And, you know, and the guys, the Marillion guys look at me and I'm looking at them going like, what the fuck have we done, you know? And, uh, but there was never any intention for a union. It was, and it was just completely made up in the press. And I'm getting phone calls and messages and emails and stuff. It was just, it got completely out of hand from a very simple thing about let's just play a song together to like suddenly let's conquer the world again, you know? And, uh, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And it's, it's one of the things I hate, and I reacted the other week to it with, with a finger. It's like, 
I hate this talk about reunions. It's like Steve Ogarth has been in the band, right, for years and years and years, longer, long, far longer than I've been in the band, right? I just happened to do, do the first four albums, which happened to be, you know, big albums, and they were groundbreaking albums for, for us as people, you know, as musicians, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's, it's, he's the singer in the band. I'm not. I can't sing that stuff back then. I mean, I listened to, like, the Fugazi and Script Masters. I can't sing that high. I don't want to sing that high anymore. It's impossibly physically for me to sing that high anymore. And the thing is, they won't drop the keys. Steve Rothery doesn't want to drop the keys and da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. So it's like, you know, bang, it ain't happening, you know? And I'm also at a point where, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a farewell tour. You know, it would be lovely if at one gig or other we got together for whatever, right? Or Steve came up as he did before and played Sugar Mice with me in a pub down in, uh, down in Essex. You know, but like it's, it's harmless, you know? It's just people, it doesn't, you know, every, you know, just because, it, you know, I get photographed next to Steve Rothery doesn't mean that we're writing an album together, you know? And um, it's kind of, it, it annoys us a wee bit, you know, because, you know, people should be kind of respectful kind of where we've been. I don't want to go back and retrace that that stuff, you know? It was great. I've done Farewell to Childhood. I've done the Clutch and the stuff. It was great. I did it in the keys where my voice now sits really well. It's not the keys that the guys like to play in. That's fair enough. So the reunion will not happen, right? It won't happen, right? And it kind of, like I said, it winds me up. And it's just like, you know, when people pepper you with the, 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 the same question as if, you, as if you're going to break, as if you're like, you know, under torture. It's like, yes, yes, it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Oh. Darren Gelder, would Cinderella Search have appeared in Fugazi if finished in time? No, it wouldn't have, because it was done as a B-side after the album. The album was done before we went into to do Cinderella Search. So, and as you'll read about the Fugazi album, you know, and the, the, the notes that Rich Wilson's done, which are sanitised, um, you see, you know, when this comes out and the interviews start coming out about Fugazi, you'll get a better understanding of it was a, It was... You know, it's a completely, it's another story and I don't really want to go down that route. Uh, Gregor Barjai, regards from Poland. Jay Maguire, Rob, Robin Elliott, thank you very much. Robin Elliott, design my kilt. Robin, I'm sorry, I just couldn't remember your name. It was an old man block. You know how it works, mate. But, was, uh, but Robin Elliott, who I met through, you know, the company and stuff. And Robin was running and I think still runs uh, a, a really happening uh, kilt shop and, and or tartan design um, place uh, down in the borders. He he offered to, to put the tartan together and that's how I got the dick tartan. But like I said, I'll show you that next week. And maybe even round about New Year, if we're still in this lockdown panel, maybe we can have a hug mini party together, right? And I'll wear my kilt for you. Yeah. Um, which stable oyster had low beams? Andrew Green. Did it? <coughs> John Walk, Escape to Victory, yes. The Escape to Victory, that really awful movie that had Sylvester Stallone and Pelly and Bobby Moore and everybody in it. It was like, yeah, John Walk was the Scottish player that was in Escape to Victory. A dreadful movie, but so, so eye-catching. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad, it's great eye candy, you know? Uh, 
see what we were saying, the Market Square Heroes bootleg on album with Loch Lomond song. Yeah, the Market Square Heroes and Margaret, they kind of morphed into each other. It was like, it was like a rock about at the end of gigs, you know. Uh, da -da. Uh, get this caught up in the things. George Connor, I mean, Genesis dropped enough keys for Phil Collins to to leave a jail full of lags without their yard time for a month. Huh? All right, I got it. But I read it again, I got it. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was great. I went to see, you know, every singer drops the keys. I mean, it's Bono does it, Collins does it. Everybody does it when they get to an age. You've you got to start dropping keys, you know. I don't think anybody can be expected to sing at the same, the same height, you know, or, you know, the same vocal high as, as they were doing when they were you know 20 30 years before and i remember i went to see genesis at, uh oh what's it called twickenham and i was there with talent i think i said this before as well and then with talent the plane and i'm singing along all the top notes and everyone down away away ripples down singing away like a big loon it was great i was a I went back to being a punter you know sometimes it's wonderful when you're at a gig very few times have i done it floyd you know, I lost myself. Just get, it's like you know, I'm just going to let myself go, and I'm a punter, I'm a fan. This is it, right? And that Genesis gig at Twickenham was the same. It was brilliant, and um, and I was singing away the songs, and my daughter's looking at me, going like, yeah, she's laughing at me, going like, oh, da -da. And, the, and of course, there's other punters looking on like, that's fish for brilliant, right? So he sounds like Peter Gabriel, doesn't he? <laughs> and it was uh, yeah. So I was singing, and it was later on. It was I, I, I realised I hadn't. I actually had this major kind of revisit to my old chords. <laughs> they've grown back, darling. They've grown back. <laughs> no, they dropped the keys. That was what it was. It was uh, that's why I could sing it. And I was, and I felt good about. It. But I remember when we took Misplaced Sheldon out on stage at the Stockholm at uh, 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 the Sweden Rocks Festival. Um, the first time we did it, when we dropped the keys, I was petrified. Because I was happy singing it and the band were happy playing it and we had all the bits and pieces. But I mean, I, I didn't know how it was going to go down and it went down brilliantly. And that was, it was, that injection of buzz was just what we needed to, to go on the tour. And, you know, and then we, we, we settled into it. It was great. You know, a song's a song, you know. It's, uh, and, you know, and I'm a lot happier where, where my voice is at the moment. I mean, I, like I said, you know, I hear the Fugazi stuff now and I go, I don't understand or... It's like, I, I don't know how I got up there. I mean, even when I hear it, it's like, I just, I can't even feel it there. You know, like, you know, how the fuck did I go there? So. Ray Rooks, Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland in the Fish House. Oh. Victoria Aka Tonica L. Harrison. Darling. Uh, what's for dinner, Sabona? Onions. Um, You've been doing the onions? Yeah. What are we having tonight? Sorry. Balti chicken. No, Balti butter chicken. Balti butter chicken. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's going to be good. It sounds a bit uh, too mild for us. Yeah. yeah my, my sister gave, gave me a recipe book a few years ago that I've, I've never used, to be honest. And she was up here last week and reminded us about it. So she pointed out a particular recipe that, that you're trying out. 
Balti chicken. Balti butter chicken. Balti butter chicken. Balti butter chicken. It sounds like a voice exercise for an, for an actor. Balti butter chicken. Balti butter chicken. And now the news. <laughs> Co van der Zalm, what's a Hugmini? Dutch guy asking. Hugmini is the um, is the Scottish word for New Year's Eve. It's, we always call it Hugmini. Hugmini is the thirty first. So it's like I don't know. Is the thirty first a Friday? Might be rather busy on the on the old internet, but like you know. But the clutch is ah da da da. Oh, I'm going to have to play something. Yeah, I was kind of... We were talking about kind of behaviours and things. And uh, I thought I'd, I'd put you... I've not played this one for, for quite a few weeks. And uh, I played the other night. Actually, at, um, Tony Helliwell, my dear friend from way back Doggy's High School days, who we've remained great friends throughout the years, um, he did the voice on Grace of God. He does, he does the voice of the MRI um, assistant um, on uh, Grace of God. And he heard it. He'd never heard his, his, his bit. And he was quite chuffed, I think, when he heard it. He said, it does sound good. And so I gave him the album away the other day. And like I said, Tony and I used to go to gigs together. I mean, we went to see uh, Genesis and we saw loads and loads and loads of bands together. And... Um, and uh, he's old school, like me, you know, and I was very pleased that he came back and he said that he, he liked the album, which was uh, meant a lot to me. So thank you, Tony. Well, so what you do now is, uh, I want to play uh, uh, Walking on Eggshells. It was, um, we just were talking about stuff earlier on about, uh, you know, one of the things, like I said, I've kind of discovered, it's like, I start because the, the song is about um, it's about a relationship with one or two people, right? Could be both. It's up to you. You make your mind up. It's like you know either bipolar personality disorders, da da da, and it's about how for those of you who are in relationships or know about this, it's like the, the trigger point, and it can be the slightest thing can trigger a complete change in in the way everything goes, and and. Uh, I started to read it. I do, you know, I do a lot of research for the, the kind of tracks and things. You know, when I'm when I'm writing a lyric, I like to go in it and I find angles and get ideas. And sometimes you can find strange ideas from diff different places where you don't really imagine you would find things. So I started reading some books about it, and uh, one of the books I read was "Stop Walking on Eggshells." And it was about borderline personality disorder, and I was I was interested in things that happened because it all ties in in a kind of big oblique way with what I intend to write about come memoir day, all right, or memoir time. And you know, I started to discover things about myself that I hadn't discovered, and, and one of them, one of the things I discovered was apart from on this album, discovering that you know I've had major issues with depression you know, over the last years and for quite a period, but also that, you know, it, it appears like, you know, as I say, I'm spectral and I've got a certain, certain degree of autism I kind of recognise. And it was, um, and it was, it was interesting, quite scary at the same time to kind of read about this. I mean, I know, you know, you, everybody looks up Google Medical and go, oh, that's me, I've got the one, that, I've got leprosy, right? 
but yeah, but I found out there was a lot of kind of things that go on inside me that kind of uh, I hadn't really realised before that you know started to make sense when I started to read these books. And it was um, so. This is one of the new tracks. This is at the end of set one. I've lined this up. So I lined up the needle and I thought this will be one of them cases where, you know, the needle's actually sitting on the vinyl. When you turn it on, it goes... Turntable up to running speed, Captain. Switch source to phono. I'm coming down. in a few seconds.
did it again, sorry. It was at the end, it was in the middle of it, I hate them. So light and big paws, great. Yeah, Jupiter's paws. Yeah, that was Walking on Eggshells from the Velchman's album, Bayfish. Available for pre-order now, out on September the 25th. Um, yeah, Walking on Eggshells. Um, you, somebody said, oh, I'm not going to buy the album now, you're going to record it here. <laughs> You've got no idea what's coming at you. Like, for your high, your hi-fi is going to, like, be kissing you, right? It's, uh, what Callum Malcolm's done with the mixes of this. I mean, what you're hearing down this phone, right, is nothing at all like how it sounds in full glory. It's like, the dynamics and stuff that Callum's brought into the mixes are just astounding, just, um... Incredible. So, Rico Pina, what song is this? That was Walking on Eggshells. It's at the end of side one on the vinyl of the Velchmelz album. Right. Um, yes. Oliver Datner, yeah, it does. Paul Bernard, thank you. Uh, sound up to Angela Hamill, sound up to eviction level. Yeah. But like I said, when you hear when you hear the finish the the, the, the finished versions and the full glory on the CD or the, the vinyl, like I said, the vinyl is astounding. It was funny actually. I heard that, that Peter Gabriel's doing all his albums as half speed mastering as well. It, it does make a massive difference. Oh, here we go! It's Bindi the three legged dog is coming to see us. Are you Bindi? Ha, Bindi. It's it's Bindi. Bendy the three-legged dog. Bendy the three-legged dog. Bendy the three-legged dog. Hey. As I said before, he's a neighbour's dog. And he comes in here to get sausages. We feed him sausages. My wife's mad for Berliner, the Berliner sausages. And she gets these, these Polish little Frankfurt things. And Bendy loves them. Don't you? You love them. So my daughter came down today. Um, Taz came down. And she brought her dog, Dexter. Right? So it's, everybody's getting dog. It's like, you know... Taz got a dog called Dexter. It's a kind of border collie cross. Tara, Simona's uh, daughter. She's got she's got another Heinz dog. We've got Rab's got his Labrador and stuff. Right. <laughs> oh, you see him? Where are you? Nah, he's not moving a bit. But he got a rabbit. Even a three-legged dog can catch a rabbit. Yeah. That's a good name for an album. Even a three-legged dog can catch a rabbit. <laughs> Always working. That's, um... One stylus there, I know. It's an Audio-Technica stylus. I can't remember which one. It's, um... But it's okay. It's, it's, it's so light. It makes a horrendous noise, but it's so light. And it's... it's oh. Like they're not designed for big people. It's, I remember my first stylus used to it was like pennies on it, right? Karen France watching a GMT Karen France watching a GMTV interview with Lorraine Kelly from nineteen ninety. Do you remember that? I have got a memory of, of working with Lorraine Kelly. It's uh yeah, so many of those T V interviews I did, some really crap ones, you know. I did Rusty Lee's Kitchen at one point, and there was all sorts of stuff. There was a horoscope one I did as well. You find them in obscure places on YouTube. 
It's like, you know, me making an arse of myself in some early morning TV programme. Because uh, they're all, they were always filming really early and you get up and say, like, oh, your eyes like a Cyberman. Uh, yes, it's three weeks the album and it's nine minutes too. I don't know what the score is. Um, has anybody picked up? It can't be a goal yet, unless we're 1-0 down. Uh, Mark Townsend, yes, thank you. Humanities, there's a minute's delay from iPad to laptop. It's very odd. It's very odd here. I'm watching it on laptop and I'm watching it live here and I'm watching it there and I'm about a minute out down there. Right? But I've got the... Eva Colley, thank you. Yeah. An idea for pre-order vinyl kicking in there. Fred Holmes, can't wait for the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is pretty stunning. And you'll like the... Like I said, Avril, Mac Avril McIntosh and Andy Bradfield did a five-to-one mix, and the uncompressed version on the, the uncompressed version on the Blu-ray is pretty stunning. It's uh, definitely one to get wasted to and just immerse yourself in as you do on a Friday night. Uh, Bruno Del Tom, hello, Andy Preston, thank you. David Clearly out the twenty-fifth, but when is the album going in the mail? Uh, it should be going in the mail that weekend. I mean, we get these big things called Yorkies, a great big containers and the idea is that we've got uh, a bunch of munchkin minions working here with us so uh, hopefully it's Liam and a, a couple of his mates and we'll be rattling them so as fast as we can get you know get them into packages we'll be packaging them into the packages before the, the, the release weekend so hopefully it's just stick it out stick it out because it's one of the beauties of the, the new mail order system is that we don't have pouches and putting things in pouches, it's just sticker, sticker, da-da-da, and all the data, the electronic customs uh, sticker data that we've got now, the electronic customs data stickers, right? Um, they're doing the business, and things are getting through a lot faster than they used to. Right? Um, and we move to the end. It's six minutes to... It's six minutes to. Wasn't Rusty Lee's laugh sampled for Duran Duran's Wild Boys? I've got no idea. It does seem really bizarre. Rusty Lee's laugh. Where's Wild Boys? Wild oh, Boys. Don't know. What was the laugh in Wild Boys? Ha ha. That was Phil Collins, wasn't it? Ha ha. No, it was Genesis. Ha ha. Been like that many tonight. And so the end. Sandy Fearful. Hello. Hello, Sandy. Sandy's been brilliant. Sandy works for Razzmatazz, who are the guys who produce all the, the merchandise and stuff for us. Um, and he said, are you interested in proper masks? You know, these are the buffs. We still, we've got the blue ones. They're not COVID masks. They're buffs. You've got to put something behind them. If you're going to use them as a, a COVID mask, you've got to put a hanky or something behind them to beef them up a bit. Um, that's what we do. Um, but Sandy's uh, said, suggested going for actually real masks. And I've said, okay, so we're going to get a sample set up and then and see how it works. And we might get proper COVID masks, um, which, as I said, I think we'll be wearing for a while. Um, you know, it's another week gone by. I've, I've lost count of the weeks. Is this 22? I can't remember. But it's, um, yeah, it's a strange times. Um, 
the COVID mask, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I'd like to get something a, a bit more substantial. I mean, we, we're following on, as I said. We, we just carry on doing. We don't go out. I mean, Simone and I, you know, we don't go out. It's, um, it's, we just tend to stay here. And there's the only people that have been visiting, we've been sitting outside. Next week, we have got the delivery of a round table. We actually bought a round table and we're a bunch of seats for the outside to take over from an old table that I bought way back in about 2001 that's rotten and irreparable. So, uh, it's, uh, oh, Bindi the dog's come back in doing circuits. Because this circuits goes around the kitchen, goes in the front door and comes in. We keep, our doors are open here most during the day and stuff. And it's like, there's a wonderful thing about being here. The wind for the llama mules comes in and you feel purified off a day. And uh, it's lovely when there's a warm breeze comes in at night. And this is an oasis, and uh, and I'm really lucky. I'm real. We are really lucky to have this place and be living here. And uh, like I said, it, it's 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 weird sometimes when you look at the you know you look at the TV and, and things, and you know you catch the the vibe that's coming in. You just feel completely dislocated. And as I said, I was saying to journalists this week, I was doing some interviews. You know, you feel so dislocated from everything, and and you know, yeah, yeah. Isolated, um, you know. I, I find it weird when you know you're doing interviews with journalists who've heard the album, and and you know, and you know, you, it's kind of like, how did you get it, you know? And it, it's a it's a strange feeling having an album out and and not being on a tour. As I said last week, I mean, I'm 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 dreaming most nights of touring. I'm dreaming about you know singing in microphones and hotel rooms and buses and things. I mean, the regular dreams and. Uh, it's um, it's it's a bit weird, and you know, as I said, I, I'm not seeing anything kind of um, moving. You know, like I said, I mean, watching the Glasgow R rate leads is you know close to you know getting its warning. You know, its warning shut down and things, and you know, it's it's going to be on for a while. As I said, I'm stocking up on bits and pieces of things. You know. And, and mentally preparing for it. I mean, this is going to be a, a different time around for me, you know, and Simona, you know. And we've got Liam, you know, my stepson, who's kind of, you know, can't get in a university and, you know, he's looking for a job in an animation studio at the moment. And uh, which, you know, hen's teeth comes to mind. But I mean, you know, it's still stuck and, you know, people are moaning about Portugal getting shut down tonight from, and, you know, Greece and should it be the islands and should it be that? It's like, you know, I choose not to travel. I just choose not to travel anywhere. And, you know, it breaks Simona's heart that she can't go back to Germany because it's just too complicated for us to deal with. I mean, you know, Simona going across it and, you know, having to take so much care because of my mum being through there and things. It's like, you know, and us. I mean, you know, you know, as I said before, it's like when the whole thing started off, it starts talking about age groups and you go, that's me. All right. So, as I've said, you know, it's up to all of us to be responsible for ourselves and to be responsible in some ways for others and then be um, caring, you know? And wearing a mask is about caring. You don't know if you've picked it up, whether you've got it or not. So it's like, um, you wear a mask, you stop the possible projection of particles and infecting somebody else and somebody else becomes affected, da-da-da. All you have to do is look around you 
and you see these clusters of the outbreaks and, you know, six people on a flight back from, from Greece going into Luton and suddenly there's 200 people getting contacted and God knows what's happening. And until the R rate, which is now over one, uh, until it gets right down to those bottom figures, then there ain't no touring, there ain't no gigs, um, there's no live performances. Um, may have hit me a couple of times in the last week, but you know I've just got to rise above it. You know I'm like all of you. I mean I I have crappy days where it just I just go like oh and I get so frustrated with it all and and I, it annoys me when I see you know lots of people milling around and nobody's giving a damn about wearing masks or anything like that and just ignoring all the rules. It's like, if you ignore the rules, if this carries on, then there are no gigs and we ain't going to be working until the R rate is way down, until there's a vaccine and that ain't going to happen anywhere anytime soon and the quantities that we need to affect an entire world population. Da -da 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 -da. Be clever, be safe, be sensible. Wear your mask when you go out. It's, who gives a damn? You know, nobody's going to laugh at you. You know, when... Um, Wash your hands and keep socially distanced. You know, that's all that needs to be done. And that, as always, is, is the message, the eternal message that will be delivered at the end of every Fish and Friday broadcast until this closes down, which is not going to be in the near future. And I can see myself being around the Christmas tree on the rocking chair, dressed up as Santa, going, Hi there, come sit on money. <laughs> anyway, listen. It's 8 o'clock, the football's begun, it's 15 minutes in, I'm going to go check the store. If you hear a howl, then, you know, from way beyond, you know, the limits of your horizons, it's probably me moaning about a Scotland game, because it does still matter. No matter how much I kid myself on, it does matter, and it still hurts when we get gubbed. So, until next week, the next Fish and Friday, um, just take care, stay alive, be safe, be sensible, and stick to the rules. It's worth doing. You know, I want to see you again sooner rather than later. Okay. Happy weekend. Bye.